0: Thanks for joining us today. We believe that God wants to bless you right where you are. In fact, my hope and prayer for you today is that through this service, you'll be encouraged, your spirit will be lifted, you'll gain some new insight or perspective, and you'll learn some practical ways to improve your life. If you've been blessed in any of these ways and you'd like to help us reach more people with our message, you can partner with us financially by going to eclife.org forward slash giving and select the giving option that works best for you. Again, thanks for joining us today. We hope this service is a real blessing to you. Well, welcome to Emmanuel. How are you feeling today? You excited to be here? I hope you're excited to be here. We have a great, great uh, experience for you, a continuation of experience for you here today. Hopefully you enjoyed the worship. Hey, if you're a guest with us here today, my name is Danny, and I want to thank you for coming into our home and being our guest today. We are in a series right now called 40 Years and Counting. It's incredible that our church is now celebrating the completion of 40 years of ministry. Is that not exciting or what? It's amazing to be part of that journey. And uh, last week, if you were here, we said there's incredible value in looking back and kind of hearing the history of any organization or the history of our country. And so what we did last year, uh, last week, is we looked at the history of our church and we said basically that in, in view of what God has done, in view of his faithfulness, we ought to feel this deep appreciation for those who have gone before us and sacrificed and given and of their time and their finances. And, and uh, we, we should also feel this deep humility because, man, this story has been going on way, before we got here, and it'll probably continue way after we leave. And then we also said we should feel a deep sense of encouragement because of God's faithfulness, that if we continue to keep the vision clear, if we continue to keep our hearts right collectively as a church, there's absolutely zero reason why God wouldn't be faithful to us for another 40 years in reaching people in our community and all across the world. Do you agree with this? Is that exciting? <clears throat> Some of you are not that excited yet. That's okay. Hopefully you'll get there. Uh, so today, today, what, what I want to do is just kind of talk to you a little bit about the DNA of our church and the, the belief system of our church and the convictions of our church. Back in 2006, I took over for Pastor Jim and uh, in preparation... Before uh, that takeover in, 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 uh, on Easter of 2006, I had a lot of time to think. I had about a year's time to think about church. I had a lot of time to think about our church, what was going on at that particular time. I had a lot of time to read books about what was going on in different parts of the country and what other pastors were doing in the country and what was working in terms of reaching people for Christ, reaching people with the gospel. And so when I took over in 2006, I was very excited to make some changes because I had been doing a lot of reading, a lot of thinking. I had seen, gone to some different places, as I, as I made mention in the, uh, in the video there, and I kind of saw a picture of, of where we needed to go in the future. And so at a, as a 28-year-old, very excited, very eager person, 8A a personality. You know, let's go. Let's let's not waste any time. You know, I'm the type of person that instead of peeling the bandaid off, I like to rip it off. Anybody else? It's like just let's just get this over with. It's gonna hurt, so let's just go after the thing. And so, boy, did we ever go after it. <laughs> we started making all kinds of changes very quickly, and we started messing with people's preferences. We started messing with what people like. We changed up the music. We changed up the dress. We changed up a lot of different things with the church. And we made everybody just, just mad. Just everybody got mad. And when people at church get mad, what do they do? Yeah, they get out of here. They, they People vote with their money and their seat. So they took their money and they, took their, and, they, and they left this place. And we call that the exodus, okay? We call that the exodus. And, and, and what I like to tell people is that I, I successfully led the church from, from about $2,000 down to $900. Our offerings went from about $70,000 a week down to about twenty five dollars or $30,000 a week. It was not fun, Okay. I started questioning myself and, you know, thinking to myself, you, you don't you know what you're doing, you're a failure, you didn't hear God's voice, you just had too much pizza the night before, like, like you, you, you are wrecking this place, and I got all kind of, you know, fearful and all that stuff, and, and then, you know, in 2008, if you know the story, and I just told it, you know, things kind of made a turnaround, and people started to kind of invite their friends, all of you stuck around, those 900 of you, 1,000 of you stuck around, you started to, to invite your friends, and people started to come, and and, and the rest is history. As I look back on that time in the valley, when, when th- we were not popular, when, when the talk in the town was, you don't want to go to Emmanuel because it's a train wreck, okay? That was the talk in our community. You know, there's been this, this explosion, right? It was in that valley that I really, here's how I could say it. My beliefs became convictions. Have you ever noticed that there's, there's, tremendous, value, there's tremendous value in the valley? Like, let, let's, just, let's just take press pause for a second. Let's, let's pretend we're not talking about 40 years and counting and we're celebrating 40 years. You might be in a valley today. You might be at a low point today in your life. And I just want to encourage you. There is tremendous, there's tremendous value in value. In the valley because there's there's only some lessons that you can learn in the valley do you agree with this there's only some some things that you can come to to understand about life and God and faith when you're at, at your lowest point anybody agree with this so if you listen if you're in a valley right now you just need to keep on going and keep asking God God what are you doing what are you trying to teach me what are you trying to show me and as I look back on, on my journey in the valley when, when 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 money was you know going down and people were leaving the church, I start I started to ask the question, God, what are you doing? And here's here's what God was really asking me. He was saying, Danny, what do you really believe? Like, I know what you said you believed, like, before you made all the changes, but now when it's not working and and there's not a lot of money and there's not a lot of people and things didn't go the way you thought, what do you really believe about how church should be done and how you're going to reach the next generation of people with the gospel? And it was in the valley, it was in that low point where my beliefs became convictions. And I started, to, I started to say, you know, these are not just ideas about how church should be done. These are things that if you, if you cut me, it, I bleed them, right? I know that's probably a gross example, sorry. They're in my DNA. Things got so bad at one point, I remember a staff meeting. I called the staff meeting and said, hey guys, guess what? Uh, I think we may, be all get, uh, we, we may all have to go get part-time jobs. And I wasn't joking, And everybody knew where I was going to work, and you probably too, too. I was going to do half my time at the church and half my time at, yeah, I was going to be a barista. I mean, come on, they give you a free pound of coffee every week. Are you kidding me? So I'm like, I had this plan. I'm going to work, you know, 20 hours at the church, 30 hours at the church, and then do another 20 or 30. They give you good insurance, too, I heard. And I was dead serious. Now, it never got that bad, but, boy, we got close, and the staff knew it. We were We were serious. About that. But it was in those moments where, 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 where these ideas that people like to talk about when everything is nice and we're at the top of the mountain. It was in the valley where those, those beliefs became convictions. And I want, to share you, I want to share with you today those four convictions. And I think as you, hear these, if, as you hear these in your heart, in your mind, I think what you're going to end up saying is, man, that's right, that's why I love this church. In fact, that's why I invite my friends to this church, because of those four ideas. Let me, let me share them with you. The first one is this, that lost people matter to God. Lost people matter to God. This became, this went from a belief, oh, that's nice, that's how we should do church, to a conviction, lost people. What does that mean? Does God lose people? Is, is God like, hey, where'd you go? I can't find you, you know? Are you hiding back here? Does God lose people? No, God doesn't lose people. He knows where every single one of us are. In fact, the Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. It says that. Jesus said that. What, is it, what does it mean to be lost? It means not to, you're not lost spatially like God misplaced you. It means that you're relationally disconnected. You do not have a relationship with Christ. And guess what? Jesus came for lost people. In fact, one day in the book of Luke, it's recorded in chapter 5, Jesus was out doing his thing. He was just doing his thing. He was getting his ministry on, his preaching on, and all that stuff. Guess who he was hanging out with? A bunch of lost people. Not spatially lost, but relationally disconnected. Watch what happens. He's got some critics. They said, Jesus, what's the deal? Why are you hanging out with these people? Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners towards repentance. To ask Jesus why he's hanging out with sinners is is like asking a doctor, why do you go to the hospital? (laughs) Like, why are you seeing patients? Well, I'm a doctor. Like... It's like asking a handyman, why do you care? Why do you have a tool belt, you know, around your around your waist? So I, I I fix stuff. Like, it's like the the people who asked Jesus this question had a fundamental misunderstanding of why he came and what his mission was all about. So when people say, well, why does your church try to reach out to sinners? It's like, well, what did you think the church was supposed to be doing? like the church is the body of Christ we are his hands and we are his feet he came for sinners in fact in Luke chapter 19 Jesus had this interaction with Zacchaeus you know the song right little Zacchaeus some of you went to Sunday school when you were little right he climbed up in the sick or more tree he comes to Jesus he he has this conversion experience and in Luke chapter 19 verse 10 Jesus gives us sort of his mission statement for 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 his life Watch this. For the son of man came to seek and to save the, say it with me, the lost. And so we as a church in the valley, not when things were peachy, not when we had lots of money, not when lots of people were coming, but in the valley we had to ask ourselves, do we really believe this? Because if we just do church for the church people, guess what, they'll stay. And they will, what? Yeah. And I don't know if you know this about church, but you actually need money to run a church. So it was in the valley that Jesus said, do you really want to do church for people who were lost? And we said yes, and we're willing to get part-time jobs to pull it off. There's value in the valley. You with me? Let me share the second idea with you. We needed to be more relevant as a church. We had begun this process, but we had fallen behind. Churches, by it, their very nature, become inward focused, and they actually kind of create their own cultures within the culture and I'm talking about music I'm talking about dress code I'm talking about all different types of language and and different things it, it's fascinating how the churches kind of stay the same because people like it on the inside and they they just they fail to shift and adjust to meet the demands or the needs or to be relevant to the community that they're trying to reach and we just made a decision as a church, we are going to become relevant. In other words, when people walk in our doors because they were invited by a friend, here's what they're going to say. Wow, that made sense. I got it. When I was growing up, I didn't know what the heck the guy was talking about. <laughs> but when I go to Emmanuel, I, like, like, I get it. I, like, like things make sense for my marriage or my finances or my life or my, my anxiety or whatever it is, right? And people walk out. I hear this all the time, and it's why you love our church, Man, that makes sense. Like the way he explains it or whoever's up here talking. Or the music on the radio, you know, that's stuff I listen to on the radio or it sounds like something that that I I like, right? And we don't always get that right, and I know music is a tough one. But we just made this decision. We are going to be relevant. Here's what happened in your notes. We decided that people are more important than our preferences. And, boy, a lot of people didn't like that. So they, again, what did they do? They left. Like, I'm out of here. Because I like my preferences more than I like lost people. (laughs) Isn't that a shame? It It was Doug Fields who said this, and I made mention to this in the video, that people are not theologically aware until they're environmentally comfortable. And we just want to make people feel environmentally comfortable so that they can be open to what God has to say to them in this service. That's why there's cup holders in front of you. Look down, look down cupholders say so why would you put cupholders in church you, here's what we heard when we did that you don't put cupholders in church it's like yes we do you ever been in the movies that people are going to bring their drink and you know what else we're going to do we're going to give away free coffee and we're going to do this and we're going to people were like why would you do that we were the first church in greenwood indiana to have cupholders in the seats just, just these little things just just to make people go man this place gets me see that what about the soap in the bathrooms huh what do you think about that See, I, we, we get you. I, see, I we, we want your friends to walk in that haven't been to church in 20 years ago. wow, I like the way that smells. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> Sometimes we get that girly stuff in the men's bathroom. Sorry about that, guys. We'll, we'll fix it. <laughs> we just want to be relevant. We want it to make sense to people. I remember uh, when, when everything was hitting the fan. Oh, it was hitting the fan. 2006 and a half or something like that. And I went to a meeting to do some damage control, and it was a bunch of people that were just mad as fire. I mean, whoo, some church people had their preferences messed with, and I just went there. And for some reason, I took my precious wife. I don't know why I took my wife to this meeting. She's so precious and gentle and, and lovely and doesn't have a, a, a competitive bone in her body, and she just, just like loves everybody, right? And so I bring her to this meeting, and then, you know, it's like a dogfight. Well, you're doing this, and you're doing that. Why are you messing with our church? And I've got friends leaving. And, like, and I, try, I sat down, and I said, hey, guys, here's the deal. Jesus, like, came for people that are not yet convinced that he's the Savior. And so what we're trying to do as a church, and I went into this little vision talk. And I thought it was very persuasive. I did a lot of those meetings, I don't think I persuaded one person. I never heard one person say, Danny, you're so right! I can't believe it, I've been mistaken this whole time, I'm all in, you know, what do you want me to do? I never heard that one time. Anyway, I'm sitting there, all of a sudden, I'm never, I'll never forget it, it's clear as day, I'll never forget it. This lady says to me, she says, after I did my little vision thing, she says, Danny, I work all week at a secular job with worldly people. And when I come to church, I want to get away from the world. And I got it. There was a fundamental difference in the belief system of what church was all about. For her and many of her friends, I don't fault them. This is just kind of how, they, how it got shaped. Church was a place to escape from lost people. To run away where, where you didn't have to deal with all that stuff. And I just, I just beg to differ. I believe Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. I'm the first one. And he wants to use us to continue to reach them. And the church is the main vehicle to do that. Do you agree with this? And that's why you love this church. Where does this come from? It comes from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Just in case you're wondering, is this biblical? <laughs> like you're just making this stuff up or what? No, it's in the Bible. The great missionary, the Apostle Paul, said, here's the deal. In order to reach people... Of all different backgrounds, here's what I'm going to do. To the weak, I'm going to become weak. To those under the law, I'm going to become like those under the law. To the, Jews, to the Jewish man, Jewish woman, I'm going to become like a Jewish person. To, to all these different people, I'm going to shift my preferences so that I can build common ground. And then he ends his argument like this. I have become all things to all people so that, uh, so, so that uh, by all possible means I might save some. Watch what he says next. I do all of this for the sake of the, say it with me, The gospel. So that I might share in its blessings. Why does he give up his preferences? So he can build common ground with people. So that the gospel has an opportunity to change their heart. And that's just a conviction that formed in the valley. Do we really believe that? And the answer was yes. Let me give you this third one. We also, uh, another belief that became a conviction is this idea that we needed to be more authentic. And what I mean by that is real. Just taking the mask off. Describing what's really going on in our hearts. The other day I got a note in my mailbox. Pastor Danny, it also came with a Starbucks card, which was awesome. (laughs) She didn't put her name down. He didn't put his name down. But whoever did sent this, thank you. Uh, This person says, thank you for showing up week after week to lead our church. Thank you for your transparency as well. It's easy to put on a face and pretend we have it all together. But it takes a bold heart to admit that we don't. God is using you to lead an army of Christ followers to do the same, myself included. You know, each week I, I try to bear my soul to you to some extent. You don't want me to do it all the way. You might never come back. But I try to open up my heart to you and, and, and share with you some ideas about how to live this life, be a disciple But I'm on that same journey with you. And I'm not afraid to be transparent about my faults and failures. And some people think I go too far, and I understand that. But the reason I'm comfortable is not because I'm bold. It's because I just know what my Heavenly Father thinks about me. See, my Heavenly Father, years ago, years ago, this is what he said to me. I'll never forget it. I didn't hear an audible voice, but I just felt it in my heart. He said, Danny, I have seen... Everything you have ever done, every sin, every deceit, every manipulation, every wrong thing you have ever done, and there were many, every time you were disrespectful to your parents and lied to them and did this and did that, I have seen it all, all your warts, and guess what? And this blew me away. I still love you. I still love you. It's like, how? How? Like, when I screw up, my parents don't even love me. Like, like, how, like, how? Of course they do. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It didn't feel like it when I was in trouble, but, but how? how? Like, and, and here's what God said. It's called grace. It's called grace. And the story, I think, that captures grace probably more than any other story in the Bible is the story of the prodigal son. It's perhaps the greatest story other than the actual story of the death, crucifixion, resurrection of Christ. Jesus said there was this kid who wanted his inheritance early, which was a huge insult to the father. You're supposed to wait till the father dies. But the father gives him his inheritance and the kid takes it and he goes off and he spends it all. And one day there's a famine in the land, he's got no money, he's literally, literally living with pigs. He comes to his senses and he just says, why don't I just go home to my dad? I mean, I—I I mean, I could just be one of his hired servants. So he puts this little speech together, and he heads back to see his dad. And I want you to see what happens. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Now Jesus is describing Heavenly Father. He's describing what God is like. He's describing the heart of God. Okay. The Father sees him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his Son, embraced him, and kissed him. Did you know that Heavenly Father runs towards sinners? He hugs sinners. He lays his lips on sinners. And that is his heart, heart towards you. Amazing. Amazing. So the son goes into his speech. Watch what happens. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father cuts him off, doesn't let him continue. Watch what happens. But his father said to him, quick, bring the finest robe the house uh, in, out of the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, and kill the calf that we've been fattening. Watch this, my favorite part. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. Don't you love it? This is Heavenly Father. And so the party began. Didn't even let the son finish his speech. Here's, God the, here's God's heart towards sinners. I love you. Welcome home. That's called grace. Brendan Manning's helped me understand grace tremendously in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel. I highly recommend it. Sometimes you can find these in, uh, for $7.99 at half price books if you're looking there. He says this He says, The good news means we can stop having, we can stop lying to ourselves. The sweet sound of amazing grace saves us from the necessity of self deception. It keeps us from denying that though Christ was victorious, the battle with lust and greed and pride still rages within. As a sinner who has been redeemed, I can acknowledge that I am often unloving, irritable, angry, and resentful, resentful towards those who are closest to me. When I go to church, I can leave my white hat at home and admit that I have failed. God not only loves me as I am, but he also knows me as I am. And then he finishes this way. Because of this, I don't need to apply spiritual cosmetics to make myself presentable to God. I would add to others. I can accept ownership of my poverty and powerlessness and neediness. See, when I come to church, I don't don't feel the need to apply spiritual cosmetics. I don't feel the need to try to pretend to be more spiritual than I really am. I can be honest with you. Why? Because Heavenly Father has has already looked down from, from heaven and said, In Christ and through Christ, you are loved all your warts included. And if this is settled here, and if I have acceptance here, and hey, if you have acceptance here, then why why would we ever try to pretend towards each other, right? And so the end result is transparency. The end result is authenticity. And can can I just say something for you? I think that's why you love our church. I do. Because when, when, you, when someone is on this platform, they're not preaching at you, they're not condemning you, they're not telling you, you should be more like me, be more holy like I am. No, we're just having a conversation about what Jesus said and how we're both trying to live it out. Isn't that why you love our church, yes? I've heard so many times, I've heard so many people say, Danny, I just feel like, I just feel like I'm on a journey with you. I don't feel like you're talking down to me. I feel like you're talking with me on this journey. And that's why you bring your friends and that's why your friends like it too. And that, that belief became a conviction in the valley. There's value in the valley. Let me share this last one with you. Transparency is expected. Transparency is expected. The way we've said this in the past is very simple. God accepts you just as you are, but he has no intention of leaving you that way. (laughs) Amen? Anybody else excited about that? Like, he's like, like, I've seen it all. Step three, I've seen it all. I've seen what you like. I've seen your warts. I've seen your sins. And my position towards you in Christ is unconditional love. Now. Let's get busy cleaning you up. Come on, right? Like like I'm not going to leave you that way. Some people think and this is this is erroneous, okay? This is Some people think that the highest level of spirituality is brokenness. Okay? It's not. Some people think that if if you find a person say, "Well, I'm just I'm just broken, busted, sinful," you know, the other day I sinned, I sinned today, sinned three times last night. It's just I'm just a sinner. All I do is sin. Oh, some people think that's spiritual, (laughs) and to some degree it is, because that person is very honest and authentic. But they're still a mess. Like, Jesus' plan is to clean the mess up, amen? Like, transformation is expected. God, he accepts us just as we are in our mess, and then he says, hey, let's get about cleaning that stuff up. And so what am I talking about? I'm talking about getting rid of anger. I'm talking about becoming a person that just doesn't have any outbursts of anger. And when you do, they last this month, this long, Right? I'm talking about a person who is dominated by lust and a pornography addiction, addiction no more. Like actually walking away, becoming the type of person that just doesn't look at that stuff anymore. Like that's transformation. I'm talking about like caterpillar stuff into butterfly stuff you know what I'm talking about I'm talking about like total inward transformation I'm talking about a person who's just just cannot stop pursuing money and wealth and the idea that 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 I'm more important if I have money if I have wealth to become the type of person who's just content with what they have and no longer greedy for money I'm talking about transformation. That is what Jesus wants to do in your life. He wants to take you in for the full treatment. Anybody excited about that? Listen to what Jesus said. You think I'm making this up, don't you? You do, right? I'm not making it up. Watch this. Jesus said it. He said a disciple, a follower, is not gonna go past his teacher, okay? Not gonna happen. No one's going to be more spiritual than Jesus. However, everyone when he is fully trained will be like the teacher. Everyone who does the drills, listen to me. If you've ever tried to master something like a sport or a musical instrument or if you're into golf, putting, or whatever it is, or maybe you're into beauty hair and you got to practice, right? right? Some of you are in beauty hair. That's a thing, right? Like beauty school, you know what I mean. Some of you are in that school and they make you practice and they make you practice and they make you do these drills and they make you repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. Why? Because they know that when you're fully trained, you'll be like the teacher, you'll be like the professionals. You'll be able to perform at a higher level. Why would it be any different in the spiritual life? Jesus says this you want to know how you're going to transform? You're going to engage, excuse me, you're going to engage in some spiritual practices. You're going to get involved with prayer, and you're going to get in a small group and study the Bible with other people. And you're going to start to journal, and you're going to start to memorize Scripture. And you're going to start to change the way you think by, by meditating upon Scripture. And when you are fully trained, guess what? You will be like the teacher. Do you know? Do you know? This, is, this, this brings all kinds of hope inside of me. Anybody else excited about this? Do you know that it's possible, it is possible for you to have the same character as Jesus Christ. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the regular condition of your soul, the the contents of your soul are things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness. How about this one? Self-control. Anybody could use that with some chocolate or, or some desserts, some sugar, right? It's possible for you to become the type of person that demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit, that the natural outflow of your character is the fruit of the Spirit, found in Galatians chapter 5. Transformation is expected. Listen, I think that's why some of you love our church. I do. Because there's huge amounts of acceptance, and then there's huge amounts of challenge. Do you agree? It's like every week we're saying, go do this. Like go practice this this week. And if you practice this, if you if you do the full training, if you engage in the training, you will change. Oh, I love it. And that's why I try to invite everybody and their mother to our church. I mean, it's just what are you doing Saturday? What are you doing Sunday? You know, we had we had friends over the other we had a little girl over our house the other night for my daughter primarily, but we wanted to invite her parents to the services, right? It's just, it's just, it's just what, we, we love it. We think everybody needs to be involved in the story that God is telling, if not at our church, at some other church. Now you can tell I'm a little excited about this because I think it's the greatest story that's going on on planet Earth. I really do. Not just Emmanuel, but every church that's engaging in the Great Commission. Now let me take a moment and just pause and acknowledge that there's probably some of you here today you were invited by a friend and you're not yet part of the journey you're still kind of on the outside looking in saying what's this Jesus thing about church I've been to church in 10 years 15 years I'm not even a religious person maybe you're even agnostic or or even atheist let me share an idea with you really quick maybe you'll buy it God is a God of love Love, by its nature, is relational. I mean, you can't, you know. The Bible says God is love. Well, if there's nobody else, then what is it? You know, is he gonna just love himself, right? So He created us, so that we there could be relationship. Well, sin breaks that relationship up, makes it makes it impossible because God is holy. So it's like oil and water. Sin and holiness—they just don't mix. And so, in order to fix that problem. God sent Jesus Christ into this world to die on a cross. Next week, we're going to celebrate the resurrection. He came back to life to conquer sin and death, to remove the barrier between you and God. And when you trust in him, you can receive eternal life. Here's how Jesus said it one time. He said, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. In other words, guys, I cannot prove it to you in any more significant way than laying my life down. Like I am going to die in your place. Like someone has to pay for sin. It's either gonna be you or it's gonna be me. You can pay for your sins by spending eternity f- apart from God forever. Or, or you can trust me and, and, and put your confidence in me because I died for your sins and I did it because I love you. I stretched out my arms and allowed myself to be nailed to a cross and my feet were nailed to a cross. And I was beaten and I was bloody. They put a crown of thorns on in my head And they whipped me till my back was nothing but shredded skin and blood. And the reason I did that is because I love you. Wow. Now, I don't know about you, but when I heard that, I was like, I'm in. Like, if you did that for me and you already paid the price, then I'm in. I don't want to pay the price. I'm I'm just going to trust in you. So if that's you today, I'm just going to say a simple prayer. And you can put your confidence in Christ right now. And you can become one of his child and you can receive eternal life right now now. Will you pray with me if that's you? Just say this simple prayer. Take these words, make them your own. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me because you loved me. I believe you paid the penalty for my sin. I believe you removed the barrier so that I can be in a relationship with God. So I trust you today. I put my faith in you today. From this day forward, help me to honor you with my life and follow you. Pursue transformation, authenticity. And help others to come into the journey as well. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, for, uh, what that means is that you become a child of God. Can we give God glory today for what he's done? You know, it's very easy to forget because life is busy, right? Life is busy. We've got lots of things going on. Our lives are busy, we, you know, something always going on in the mornings, days evenings it's very easy to get caught up in life and forget about jesus is it not yes and so what god has done and i'm so thankful he's done that he's actually given us a ritual or or what you'd call a a ceremony to remember to say oh i'm not i gotta refocus on christ i gotta refocus on the fact that he spilled his blood for me that's 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 mind-boggling I gotta refocus my, 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 my mind and my life and my heart and the fact that he rose again and he gave us this ritual called communion where we drink a little juice and we eat a little bread. Some churches, they give you real wine. We're not there yet. And he gave us this thing called communion to, 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 to remember because we get so busy pursuing our jobs and our goals and our children and all these different things that we forget what life is about is about Christ. about Jesus and so right now what we're going to do is engage in communion and if you just prayed to receive Christ that makes you that makes you able or or qualifies you to partake because you're now a follower of Christ so if you just prayed that prayer we want to invite you to partake in communion if you're a Christ follower already we're going to invite you to partake in communion so I'm going to pray a simple prayer and, and, and when, I'm done, when I say amen, I'm going to invite you to go, kind of go around the auditorium. There are stations all around. Grab a little bit of juice and a little piece of bread. Take it back to your seat. And when you feel the time is right, just say a little prayer to, your, to God, the quietness of your heart, and partake. And then I'll come back and wrap us up. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for the ceremony of communion. As we drink this juice, and eat this bread, may we remember your sacrifice on the cross and all that it accomplished for us. Reconciliation and forgiveness and grace and a relationship with you. You gave your very life for us because you loved us. Help us to refocus, to recommit our lives to you during this time. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. You can say standing with me if you prayed to receive Christ today. Just a couple of closing thoughts. We have a, a gift for you, a one-year New Testament. You can grab this on your way out. It's just a copy of the New Testament. We want to encourage you to begin reading that on your new journey with Christ. Uh, also, in your bulletins, there were these uh, these invitations. We would love for you to use these this week with coworkers, friends, family members, people that you interact with through the week. If you're in the grocery store, just go ahead and invite them to one of our four services here at the Greenwood campus and then also uh, we want to encourage you to write the names of the people down in your life who need to be at the service on the walls inside the frames as you leave the as you leave today there are pens on there please don't write on the walls right in the frames. That would be awesome. And uh, one more thing. Oh, starting point. Starting point is also something you can learn about at the tables in the back. For those of you put your faith in Christ or you're coming back to church after a long time away, it's just a a short-term group uh, where you can go and kind of get your questions answered and start to learn about the Bible. So you'll learn more about that at the tables as well. You guys excited to be part of this journey or what? Isn't it awesome? Is it not awesome to be part of what God is doing in our world? I believe with all of my heart that God is overcoming in our world. God is overcoming evil with good by transforming human hearts. And it starts with us, right? It starts in our homes. It starts with our children, right? And that's how the world changes. That's how goodness overcomes evil because our hearts change. You you excited to be part of that? Amen. Let's pray. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much. For the opportunity at such a time as this, where the world is filled with hurt, it's filled with pain, even with the news about the two churches in Egypt that we just heard this morning, God, it's just, our world is filled with so much hurt, so much pain, so much evil. God, I pray that you would start changing our community and our world right here in our hearts. As we surrender our mind, as we surrender our will, as we surrender our heart to you, God. Thank you for inviting us into the story that you're telling. Help us to make a difference and leverage our time for your honor and for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week for Easter weekend. Bring a friend.